Hello there, everyone. My name's Andrew. And I'm Cassie. And this is the Culips English Podcast. Hello, Culips listeners. Welcome back to our Real Talk series. For those of you who don't know what Real Talk is, let me briefly explain it. Real Talk is the series where we teach you the English expressions and vocabulary that you need to know for real world, authentic situations. And in today's episode, we'll teach you how to ask for a recommendation letter for university. Today, helping me with this lesson is my co host, Cassie. Hey, Cassie, how's it going? Hey, Andrew, doing great. And hello, listeners. Okay, Cassie, well, I'm glad that you are here to help me with this episode today because I think you have a lot of experience being on the writer's side of writing a recommendation letter. But then I guess that also means that you have a lot of experience being asked to write recommendation letters. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Yeah, for sure. Especially during this time of year, because it is prime college application time for the Western area, like the UK and the States. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so maybe just for our listeners who don't know about why you would be writing recommendation letters, could you just briefly give us a little context in your background about you know, why you have to do this kind of thing? Yeah, sure. So filling out university applications is always stressful, but usually you have to write essays, you have to gather a bunch of paperwork, you have to write your school resume, and you also need to have at least two or three recommendation letters from teachers or counselors so that schools can get feedback, not just from you, but from your mentors to show that what you actually are doing in class is truthful and you're not just padding your resume with fake data. I like that, padding your resume. That's what we say when you kind of lie when you're writing your resume, right? And you just put in some false information. Yeah, so a lot of universities, especially in English-speaking countries, I think, well, America comes to mind, but also I know this is true in Canada and I'm assuming for other English-speaking countries as well. When you apply to university, the universities take a holistic look at who you are as a person. They're not only looking at your grades. Of course, that's a big part of it, but they also want to know about the things that you mentioned, Cassie, about your volunteer activities, maybe the school clubs or sports teams that you played on. And they also want somebody to vouch for you. And that's a great expression there. To vouch for someone means to recommend someone. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about how to write a recommendation letter. That's a problem for Cassie <laughs> on her own. <laughs> But we will explain to you all and teach you how to ask for a recommendation letter. So we'll get into that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to let everybody know that there is a study guide and a transcript that accompanies this episode. And we highly recommend following along with the guide and with the transcript as you study with us today. Inside the study guide, you'll find detailed vocabulary explanations real-life examples, a comprehension quiz, and more. And you can download it and, like I said, follow along as you listen just by becoming a Culips member. So to sign up and become a member and get the study guide, just visit our website, culips.com, 
or follow the link in the description for this episode. All right, today we said that we're going to learn how to ask for a recommendation letter and what kinds of questions you should expect in return. We'll listen to an example dialogue between a student and her teacher, and after listening, we'll pull out the key phrases and vocabulary and talk about them together. Sounds good, Andrew? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Mr. Johnson, are you available to talk one-on-one for a few minutes later today? Yeah, of course. Stop by my room as soon as school lets out. Okay, sounds great. I'll see you later. Hey, Ruth, come on in. What can I do for you? Well, Mr. Johnson, I was wondering if you could write me a recommendation letter for university. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Here, sit down and let's chat for a few minutes. I just want to ask you a couple of questions so that I can write a good letter. Okay, thank you so much for doing this for me. No problem. Okay, so first question. Do you have a major in mind yet or are you still undecided? Well, I'm planning to major in engineering, but I haven't picked a specific track yet. Hmm. Okay, well, you can put engineering on your application and pick a more specific field of study after you start university. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Okay, next question. I know you're on the volleyball team, but what other extracurriculars are you involved in? Well, I'm also planning to be on the track and field team in the spring. I'm secretary for the student council. I'm in the National Honor Society. And I volunteer at an animal shelter uh, about once a month. Excellent. Okay, I'll be sure to reference these in my letter. Now, lastly, could you tell me a little bit about why you're interested in engineering? I'll talk about your aptitude in your math and science classes, but what about engineering interests you? I want to become an engineer because I like to solve problems and I want to do a job that helps the environment and our society. All right, a very good goal. Well, Ruth, thank you for answering my questions. I have plenty of material to work with. Uh, One final thing. Is there a deadline for this letter? Yeah, I need to submit my application by January 5th, so at least a week before that would be nice. Thank you so much. All right, I'll try to have it for you before Christmas break. Good luck with the applications. Okay, so we just heard an example conversation where two characters, a teacher named Mr. Johnson, who was voiced by me, and a student, high school senior, I believe, named Ruth, who is voiced by Cassie, had a conversation. And in that conversation, Ruth asked Mr. Johnson, who was her high school teacher, to write a reference letter for her that she could use for her university application. And so now that we've listened to that conversation, Cassie and I are going to go back through it with a fine-tooth comb And we're going to break down and explain all of the key vocabulary and expressions that the two characters used so that you can understand it perfectly and that you can also use these kinds of expressions and vocabulary in a similar situation in your own life if you encounter it in the future. So Cassie, let's start at the very tippy top. It's a good place to start. And the conversation kicked off by Ruth asking her teacher, Mr. Johnson, to meet and she wanted to ask him something. So she said, hi, Mr. Johnson, are you available to talk 
one-on-one for a few minutes later today. And I think this is a pretty good way to approach the situation, right? Like you need to have a few minutes to kind of explain yourself when you're asking for a recommendation, especially in this kind of situation. Like Cassie, I know you and I are both teachers, so we know how busy the classroom is, but maybe some of our listeners don't. But, you know, if a student asked me for a recommendation letter during a busy time while I was teaching, it might be a little bit complicated to answer and give that student the attention that they want at that time. Yeah, I'd be so frazzled. I'd be like, oh, ask me later. Yeah. So anytime you want to take somebody aside and have a kind of individual meeting with them, right? A private meeting in a different context than the one that you're currently in, you could ask the question like that. Are you available to chat one-on-one or are you available to talk one-on-one? Something like that. Yeah, I use this phrase a lot with friends, with family members, with a coworker, with my boss. You can use it in any setting where you want to talk with just you and one other person. Mm. I usually hate this, though, when somebody asks me that because I always fear it's going to be bad news. Uh, <laughs> I always have the fear that it might take longer than just a few minutes. Oh, that's another fear as well. Yes. <laughs> All right. So continuing through this conversation, then the teacher says, stop by my room as soon as school lets out. So I think probably most listeners can understand stop by my room, which means just come to my office or come to my classroom. But what does it mean for school to be let out? That means the school day has just finished and all the kids are let free out of the building. Mm-hmm, exactly. Freedom. Cassie, I still remember the time that my high school final bell rang at. I'm not sure if it still rings at this time. This is many, many years later, but 3.24 p.m. was when school let out for me. Yours is later. Ours was 2.30. 2.30? Yeah. To this day, if I look at my watch and it's 3.24 p.m., I kind of smile and I go, ah. Oh. <laughs> All those kids are getting out of school. How happy they must be. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so then a few hours later after school is finished, Ruth goes to Mr. Johnson's classroom to ask him the big question if she can get a recommendation letter from him. And Cassie, why don't you break it down? When Ruth arrives at the classroom, Mr. Johnson asks her a question. What does he ask exactly? He said, what can I do for you? And I really like this phrase. Yeah, could you say it quickly? Because I feel like we really smush our words together and ask this question really quickly when we say it in a natural way. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, what can I do for you today? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's really smushed together. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? My Canadian accent really comes out when I ask that question, I think. But what can I do for you today is just another way to ask, what's up? Or, What do you need? What can I help you with? That kind of question, right? Mm -hmm. Since this is a student-teacher relationship, you know, the student's a lot younger than the teacher. So teachers will usually talk more casually with their students. You're a lot more likely to hear this kind of phrase rather than, how can I help you? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And that's actually a good point. Guys, you wouldn't want to use this kind of question maybe if your boss asked you to meet one-on-one. And then you're like, yeah, sure, boss. What can I do for you? You know, like it's not really the most professional 
expression, maybe in a more professional situation, you would want to say something like, oh, how can I help you? Or what would you like to talk with me about? Some question like that would be more appropriate. After Mr. Johnson asked, what can I do for you? Ruth replied with, I was wondering if you could write me a recommendation letter. We've learned this phrase in the past. I was wondering if blah, blah. And this is the perfect phrase that you can use when you have anything that you want someone to do for you. I was wondering if you could blah, blah. It's a polite way of asking for help on a task. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to be even more polite, and I do agree, Cassie, that this is already a pretty polite structure. But if you want to take it even over the top and make it even more polite, then you could add the word just in there. I was just wondering if you could write me a recommendation letter. I was just wondering if you could water my plants while I'm away for the weekend. I was just wondering if you could feed my cat while I'm gone. Something like that. When you're asking somebody for a favor and you want to be really polite and really kind, right? Because you want them to say, oh yeah, no problem. Well, then you could use that kind of question structure like you mentioned. And then after that, Mr. Johnson says, you know, I got to ask you a couple of questions. And she says, sure, no problem. Thank you for helping me. And the questions begin. What was the first question, Andrew? Yeah. So let's just put ourselves in this situation. The teacher is writing the recommendation letter. And probably he knows some information about his student. Probably he knows about her performance in his class. But depending on the relationship and how many students he has and how big the school is, all of those kinds of things, well, then that could influence actually how well he knows the student. So in this case, it seems like he's got a pretty good understanding of Ruth, of the student, for her performance in his class, but he doesn't really know too much about her life outside of the class, it seems like. So that means that he doesn't have too much information that he can use to write the recommendation letter, right? So he needs to ask her some questions so that he can learn about her goals for the future, about her life experiences that she can bring to the university as a student. And so he asks her these questions so that he can get some info that he can use to write the reference letter. So he starts things off by asking her if she has a major in mind or if she's still undecided. And I feel like anybody who's interested in going to university or college in the States, especially in the States, needs to know this word, undecided or undeclared. Both of them are okay. Cassie, could you explain for us what undecided or undeclared means? Yeah, I know in most other countries, you have to pick a major specifically before you even get into university, and you can't really deviate from it. But in the States, the first year is mostly just general education requirements, so you don't have to pick your major right away. So a lot of students go into university undecided. They have not chosen their future major, what they want to do. They just go into university and during the first year, they take their gen ed requirements, maybe an art class, a music class, an English class. And then halfway through the year, they'll, you know, focus more on what they want to study. I want to go engineering track or I want to go pre-med or I want to go history. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. So I think this is also the same in Canada. At least it was when I attended university that I picked my general department, my general faculty, like I was humanities, I was a humanities student, but I didn't have to choose my major. So I was a part of the school of humanities, but I didn't declare my major until later. Is that the same as you, Cassie? Did you start as an undeclared student? I was a little weird. I was, yeah, undecided the first year. And then the second year, I was actually actuarial science for a semester and hated it. Quickly dropped out and moved to physics. (laughs) So in response to that question, then Ruth answers that she wants to major in engineering. She's planning to major in engineering but that she hasn't picked a specific track yet. I guess another way to say it, Cassie, would be a specification, right? There's lots of different kinds of engineering. Engineering is a very big field. So you can specialize in like civil engineering or aviation engineering or tons of different types of engineering. And to be honest, I'm not really an expert on the differences between them all, but I'm sure Ruth is. So That's just what it means that she hasn't really picked her exact focus of study yet, but she's planning to do it in the future. And in response to that, the teacher says, oh yeah, okay, that's no problem. You can do that later. You can pick a more specific field of study after you start university. And that's a great expression to know as well, field of study. And it's just like what I mentioned, right? There are many different subjects that you can study at university, and there are many specializations within those subjects, and that's what we call a field of study. Essentially, it's just the narrow focus of the thing that you study. The next question that Mr. Johnson asked was, again, a very important question for college applications and recommendation letters, and that was, what other extracurriculars are you involved in? Hmm. A very good question. What other extracurriculars are you involved in? And I think this is 100% going to be asked. And okay, this is a hard word to pronounce, I think even for some native speakers, but let's slowly pronounce it and then we'll explain the meaning as well. Maybe Cassie, I'll say it first and then you could say it after me. Extracurriculars. Extracurriculars. And now at a fast speed, Extracurriculars. Extracurriculars. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of <laughs> letters, too. <laughs> so, okay. Extra means like in addition to, right? In addition to. And I think many listeners will know curriculum. Curriculum is like the things that you study. Like, you know, maybe the textbook that you study could be called your curriculum. So extra in addition to curriculum, curriculars, right? So when we put it all together, then extracurriculars means things that you learn or activities that you do, or maybe even things that you study outside of the regular schooling that you get at school. Yeah, extracurriculars could be the sports that you're involved in, the clubs that you're involved in, the volunteering that you do, Maybe even a part-time job or some sort of hobby that, you know, really sets you apart from the rest of your peers. Yeah, exactly. And in Ruth's case here, 
she has many extracurriculars, doesn't she? She said that she's on the track and field team. She's a secretary for the student council. She said she's on the honors society, the national honors society. And Cassie, that sounds pretty American to me, national honors society. Could you explain that? I'm not even sure exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a society where the students who can be accepted into it have to have a certain grade point average, and they also have to volunteer a certain number of hours each year that they're in it. Cassie, I bet you were in the National Honor Society, weren't you? How'd you guess, Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very good. I was on the honor roll occasionally. Not every semester, but many semesters. We had the honor roll, which was where the top students would get recognized with a little mention in the school newsletter, which I think nobody read, but it made my parents happy, at least. So what else? What other extracurricular? Oh, she also volunteers at an animal shelter about once a month. So many extracurriculars that Ruth is a part of. And we can see it's sports, it's academics, it's volunteer work. All of these things can account for extracurriculars. Yeah, I don't know about every country, but I know that the U.S., probably Canada, really put a big emphasis on extracurriculars. You could have really high grades in high school and high standardized test scores, but if you don't have enough extracurriculars, they might not accept your application. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, there couldn't be good and bad things about that, and maybe we could save this conversation for a different episode. But my general feeling is that universities in the West are really looking for well-rounded individuals who have experience doing a lot of different things, as opposed to somebody who's really hyper-focused on just getting grades. But Cassie, let's save this for a different episode, because I think it could be an interesting conversation. All right, moving along. So as we get towards the end of the conversation, the teacher asks one final question, and he asks, could you tell me a little bit about why you're interested in engineering? He just wants to get an understanding of what makes the student want to follow that kind of path in life. And Cassie, this style of question is one that you'll hear so often in an interview, in a job interview, right? Or any situation like this where you have to talk about yourself. Could you tell me a little bit about your experience at your previous company? Could you tell me a little bit about your time that you volunteered abroad? Could you tell me about blah, 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 a really, really common question style? Could you tell me your strengths and weaknesses? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Could you tell me your strengths and weaknesses? Classic job interview question. And finally, the final question that the teacher asks the student is, is there a deadline for this letter? And Cassie, I have a question for you because you have experience. Well, how many reference letters do you think you've written in your career as a teacher? Honestly, I've tripled my count this year. (laughs) I think I've written maybe 15 or 20 this year alone. I wrote a lot. (laughs) All right. So I want to know, in your opinion, is this a little bit rude to not say that there is a deadline? Because I think if I were this student asking to have a reference letter written, this would be one of the first things I would mention to the teacher just so he knows about the timeline. Or do you think it's okay because they're just high school students and that kind of information could be easily ignored or forgotten about? 
I prefer deadlines because I'm busy and I prioritize everything that I do. So if you tell me you need your recommendation letter in a week, I'll do it. It's a little rude, but it's fine. I'll get it done. But if you tell me your deadline isn't for a month or two, I'll probably wait a month or two and do it closer to the deadline. Hmm. Fair enough. All right. So the student answers that there is indeed a deadline. And she mentions that the application due date is by January the 5th. And she would like to get the reference letter at least a week before that. So she has enough time to submit the reference letter. And the teacher says, okay, yeah, I'll try and have it to you before the Christmas break. And I think that is like a really common sentence style that you'll hear as well. I'll try to have it to you, or I'll try to get it to you, saying like, I'll do my best, but please don't kill me if I'm a little bit late. Yeah, that's teacher speak for, it might be late, but I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> Just before we wrap up here, Cassie, is there anything else that listeners should know? Because I think perhaps we'll have a lot of younger students maybe listening to this episode who are interested in applying to university in an English-speaking country and they need a reference letter from their teacher. What kinds of advice or tips could you give for anybody in this situation? My biggest advice would be to pick a teacher who is one who teaches the class most similar to what you want to major in. So if you want to go science track, you should pick your science teacher. Or if you want to go humanities track, you might want to pick your social studies or English teacher to write your recommendation letter. And then also, you don't have to pick the class that you did the best in, but you should pick a class where you worked hard and you had good rapport with your teacher. If you don't talk in that class at all, then your teacher doesn't know you and they have nothing to write about. This has happened to me once or twice. I get a student who has said maybe two sentences in my class and I don't know what their personality is. I don't know what their interests are. So really pick a teacher that you feel closest to or they know what you're involved in and what you're like. Mm -hmm. I teach at a university, so I don't have students come to me asking for reference letters very often. It does happen from time to time, but I'm more like one a year or one every two years, whereas Cassie, you're 15 or 20 a semester. That's wild. But I would say that that final tip is one of the best tips that you could give for any student, whether it's at a high school level or the university level. And that is get to know your teachers, be friendly with your teachers. And I think it goes a long way. You don't have to be super vocal during class, but just, you know, maybe chat for a few moments after class or ask a question after class, something like that to get to know your teacher. I think that can be really beneficial for all students. So great tip there. And that brings us to the end of today's episode, everyone. Now, I do want to say that there is a part two coming up sometime in the near future. The next Real Talk episode that Cassie and I are going to make is also about reference letters, but now it won't be in the context of a high school situation. It will be in the context of a professional situation where you need to get a reference letter from a boss or a previous employer to use in your future job application package. So we'll be talking about that next time. 
But yeah, for now, we're going to wrap things up. And Cassie, why don't we just summarize a little bit about what we covered today? Today, we learned a bunch of great expressions such as, are you available to talk one-on-one? Or do you have a major in mind? And in answer to that, I'm planning to major in blah, blah, or I'm undecided. I haven't chosen a major. We also learn the expressions, what extracurriculars are you involved in? Is there a deadline? And could you tell me a little bit more about why you're interested in something? So it's the end. Thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you learned a lot with us today. Our website is qlips.com. If you want to get the study guide, including the transcript and practice exercises for this episode, check out the website to download it. Becoming a QLips member is a wonderful way to support us, but it's not the only way. You can also support us by leaving a five-star rating and a nice review on your favorite podcast app telling your friends about Qlips and following us on social media. Plus, don't forget to join us on our Discord server. We have over 3,000 people who are learning English every day on our Discord server, and it's a great way to connect with other English learners and to practice English on the daily. So that's it for us for now, but we'll be back soon with another brand new episode, and we'll talk to you all then. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.